There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders, who said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Yeah! Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time, lunchtime, almost football time in Tennessee time. Almost practice football in Tennessee time. Finally got some rain, so I don't have to complain about my yard being dry anymore time. Whole crew in the house time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We'll go clockwise here. Wes Rucker joined by... Grant Grant order Ramey. Who got here on time, so. Okay, then we'll go Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, if that's the case. Did you just figure uh, you didn't really know what clockwise was? So I'm just going to. No, I didn't know where I was going to start. Oh, okay. Because I, I had to start with Grant, I decided, because I'm the. I'm the alpha. No, because I'm the guy who talks first. So then it goes. Yeah. I don't. You know, it just it seemed like it made sense that way. Okay. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Coming to you on a Thursday morning here from Fort Rucker Studio. Probably going to release this on a Thursday afternoon. Why not? Because we'll have a couple of them this week. We're going to take a two-part look at Tennessee's, not spring camp, I almost almost did it again, preseason camp. Can't get names right, can't get seasons right. Eli Pope will be out there for Tennessee's preseason camp, which starts next week. Haslam Field. Wes, we need you to get you to, to take that legal pad there and write the words Eli Wolf a hundred times. W- on the next page, and Austin, Pope. Austin Pope. W-O-O-F Wolf. W-O-O-F Wolf. You've been thrown off by that name because it's, someone's not saying it like Wolf. It's weird because you never, as far as I can tell, got Ethan and Eli mixed up, and they are, in fact, brothers. That's true. While Eli and, and Austin Eli, are and both white tight ends. Eli's my ninja, and I've he's I've been saying for years that he's a pretty good football player. So now you can't get his name right. Yeah. So you should be ashamed. I am ashamed. I once confused Bernard King in writing with Bernard Childress, T.W.S.A.A. Oh wow! <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because it was two o'clock in the morning I'll after. Bl- Tennessee beat Kentucky or something, and somebody called me an idiot, and I changed it. That, that comes from covering too much prep sports. I, b- I believe those, those men are both African-American, are they not? They are. Maybe Bernard was a Childress was a good basketball player. I don't know. We should ask him. We should get him on the pod. Be like, hey, Bernard Childress, you got Skype? What's your Skype number? Why are there we're so many state titles in, co- in high school We're only bringing you on because of this one typo this one time. <laughs> <laughs> that happened at 2 o'clock in the morning. So here's what we were wondering. Were you any good at basketball? Not like Bernard King good, but, I mean, were you pretty good? We'll have to ask him that. For this podcast, though, we will be discussing Tennessee preseason camp, which starts next week. We're going to take a two-part look at this. Today, we're going to look at Tennessee's offense, which many of y'all will be glad to know is uh, under new management. New and improved. Because um, it, it, it was not good. Last year, um, it, it was. I've seen some Tennessee offenses that weren't very good. I remember going them going down to Auburn and scoring like what three points or something, six points in a game, and just just a nasty, nasty the game. Punt fest in oh yeah, eight. Oh eight. Mm-hmm. The, the only touchdown was scored. I be, well no, um, Auburn scored an actual touchdown. They also scored a touchdown because Tennessee couldn't do a handoff in the end zone. Yeah. All, all I remember it, just, it fell. The Auburn player fell. If, on it. if there was like a prayer at Jordan Hare for the Bama Auburn game. That was like the uh, the prayer. It's over at Jordan here. It was. It was pretty, like twelve. It was like twelve to nine or something. But I, all I remember was the fourth quarter. Tennessee and Auburn had to combine like seven or eight possessions across the fifty yard line, and none of them resulted in points. That's impressive. It was amazing. Like I'm not even mad. That's amazing. 
Good news, though, Tennessee's offense is under new management. There's a, In case you didn't notice, there's a new head coach in town. Not so sure he's the biggest uh, offensive guy, but he went and paid uh, seven figures per year for a new offensive coordinator, brought his uh, brought his boy Tyson Helton over from USC, where he had been the co-offensive coordinator. Now he is the offensive coordinator, just just offensive coordinator at Tennessee. Uh, full whole new offensive staff across the board. Uh, it's going to be a new system. It's going to be a lot of new players. How much was this change needed? Was any change needed? Uh, whether it would have been to whatever system it was, how much did these guys on this team need something else to practice after failing time and time again last season? I Good mean, talk. It, I'm glad it, we had it. It was it was needed as 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 badly as you could need it. I mean that offense last year. Uh, I mean, just it was broken from the top down. Oh, of course. I, I mean, that's what I was just sitting here thinking about that coaching search last year. That that that. Ended up with Larry Scott being promoted, and I don't. It just seemed like there were red flags when it happened. Like, yeah. Like, are you sure this is the route you want to go down? You you can replace how many offensive assistants did uh, Butch Jones replace uh, before the 2017 season? And when he replaced them, you thought, who are these guys? It was and, yeah. And what is he doing? I mean, everybody any, but anything, Robert Gillespie was. Mute. Yeah, anything could be. Uh, an upgrade from last year just because of how low that bar is to cross. I mean, you mentioned the coaching changes. You, you hire a, a coordinator that had never been a coordinator, never called plays, at least at the college level. At the receivers coach, you go f- for a guy that went to the NFL for, to be a receivers coach and, and stuck on in Zach Azani, who's I think he's with the Broncos now, right? He is. The much maligned Zach Azani. Yes, the, the much maligned. Yeah. He and Mike DeBoer look, probably look different in hindsight because uh, they took a lot of heat during their time, but – the rocket stance was the, still stupid. The guys that uh, Butch Jones replaced those two with didn't really pan out. Kevin Beard's now, I think, not even on. A, he's not even a full time coach at Toledo. Yeah, he's at right? Toledo as a uh, like a player personnel. Or yeah, something. he's a support One staff guy. Uh, Walt Wells, I don't know if he's gotten a job yet. Right, he is not. He is not. not and then that I've seen uh, the the first guy to get get the job was probably the guy that was the most maligned out of those new hires, and that's Chico, yeah. Mike Canales, who wound up um, back at UTEP. Uh, where he's going to be offensive coordinator. Yeah, he, Chico knows what's up. Chico, Chico's got contacts. Chico and got a job so quick that I think between flights at an airport, he took off his Tennessee polo while he's recruiting and just put on a UTEP one. Hashtag and, picks up. And put, yeah, and put a new <laughs> put a new logo on his backpack and just kept rolling. <laughs> he was like, well, he was searching online on the flight, like, okay, so what is the hashtag that they use there? Okay, picks up. By the time by the time we land, it's picks up. And time. I, I would get texts like. I don't know when it was, last spring maybe, when he would be seen shopping with his wife in Knoxville at like a grocery store just because they haven't moved yet. And then three days later, he's back on the road recruiting for UTEP and everything's normal. I still think it's fine. to. It's, it's interesting to debate what whether picks up is what, as a quarterback's coach, you want to say. All that is to say, though, is that like once you took Josh Dobbs out of this offense, and not just Dobbs, but you took Josh Malone, Alvin Kamara and Jalen Hurd, for that matter. Uh, and then you took Juwan Jennings out of it from the first first half of the season. It, it all went to crap. Yeah, it was bad. They scored 42 points in that season opener against Georgia Tech, and uh, that game went to overtime. They scored 28 in regulation, and we're like, hey, this offense might not be too bad. They had John Kelly. You know, they had some things going for them. They looked not terrible at the start of the year, but it, especially – starting with the Dormady injury, but really after the Florida game. It just all went downhill from there. They they didn't score much against UMass. They were awful in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, they could have won three more games if they had a red, a red zone offense that yeah. wasn't terrible. And then injuries, really, which was obviously I mean, one of the stories of the season just kind of ripped apart the whole well, team. And I can't even remember what happened at Florida. I just remember it was like near the goal line, some well, kind of fail, well, right? Well, they had – it seemed shotgun. It seemed like every time Tennessee got shotgun, to the one yard line, right. it was an automatic five yard penalty. Like yeah, they had that's right, that's right. false start procedure, something. Uh, yeah, they ran. I think like I don't know. They had almost twenty plays in the, in, in the third quarter at Florida in Florida territory and didn't score a point. They had field goal issues that game. Uh, the South Carolina game, they kicked three field goals when they were in the red zone. Kentucky was a game where they had, were in the. You know, in the scoring zone, as they say, lost to South Carolina a lot of times. Yeah, because I they mean, couldn't punch it in from the two yard line or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, and we, I, I think it was, I think it was Kentucky where they got down to one a couple of times, and had penalties. And we're like, 
oh, they're going to get another one. Don't get down to the one. You might as well score. Don't get tackled at the one because it's going to be a five-yard penalty. And they just it was just broken from the top down. They didn't have an identity. I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, they were pretty much John Kelly or bust. And then once teams figured out, hey, if we stop John Kelly, this offense can't do anything, they had they had no answers. And they, yeah. had a, they had a streak of how long without a touchdown? 16 quarters. I mean, that's just insane to think yeah. about. And it just seems so – And they're – Par for the course for them last year. Like, yeah. of course that would happen. And there are a bunch. I mean, that that team was depleted by injuries at that point. But this that's still a team with a bunch of former four and five star players on it on on offense and and a pretty good amount of talent that was still out there. And they just couldn't get anything going. So clearly, this team has some talent deficiencies in some areas going into this season. And that's that's one of the reasons they've still got a long way to go. I think. But yeah, you know, even with a new staff that might have a better idea of what it's doing. And if you're Tyson Hilton, you have to be licking your chops because you just have to be marginal at best, yeah. and people will love you. You know what will help in short yardage? Uh, a fullback <laughs> will how help. Many, how many minutes do we need before West yeah. mentioned a fullback? Hey, the first thing on this uh, – Fullback Eli Pope Ten minutes, is 33 awesome. seconds at the first fullback. The first thing on the sheet here was a new staff and scheme. We got to that. Oh, no, wait, we didn't. We didn't get to the scheme, which is under center and has a – Fullback. Well, the way sometimes that, the way that uh, Tyson Helton described it back in February was, and this was probably before he had like a real grasp on what his personnel could be, so it could be different. But he wanted to have an offense that could run the ball whenever it wanted, sort of a physical run game. Who, who doesn't? Obviously, that's going to be like the Alabama element mm-hmm. that that Jeremy Pruitt has been used to coaching on the other side of. And then Helton said he wants to push the ball down the field to the, you know generate big plays with with deep balls. That sounds great. However, to do that, you, you have to have a quarterback who can stay off of his backside for at least three or four seconds. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like this, this was that's going to be issue. This was before he um, really probably had a real grasp on what kind of personnel he was going to have. Yeah. He had never seen any of his guys practice. So it's like it's probably, Tennessee, they're probably pretty good, right? Um, but I, I think there's going to be if you're looking for like a comparison, like. If you want to see what Tennessee's defense is going to look like, you just go if there's a replay on this this month of an Alabama game from last year. You got a pretty clear blueprint. The offense is a little bit more difficult because I think there's going to be a little bit of USC from Helton. I think there's going to be a little bit of Colorado State from Will yep. Friend. They were a pretty good running team. Yep. I think mm-hmm. like around 30th nationally each of the past three years. So you're going to have some of those schemes in the run game. And I think you're going to have um, sort of an Alabama, like they want to be a smash mouth, like physical offense uh, that can – you know, throw the ball over the top, too. So you're going to see a little bit of sprinkling of, of what all these coaches have done in the past, I think, on, on this offense. And, hey, that could be an advantage going into a game against West Virginia because West Virginia is not going to have any idea what Tennessee is going to do on offense. Patrick made a great point, I think, with the Colorado State stuff. I've been hearing more and more that Will Friend, even though he didn't get a title officially of run game coordinator or anything that he's like essentially that, that, yeah. that he is – playing a big role in this offense. He's like and the only guy on the staff who doesn't have a coordinator or something by his name, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> on, on offense, not as much H- of that, His salary says that he's going to be pretty yeah, involved. Because he's up around, I think, 800000 and that's pretty high for just, just quote-unquote, just a position coach. Yeah, and so he, so he I think it, the, the Colorado State offense is a little bit more maybe what this offense is going to look like than, uh, or at least last year's Colorado State offense is more what this offense might look like than people might think, but... At the same time, Tyson Helton is showing recruits USC film in some situations, so obviously there's going to be some elements of that. And like you said, Alabama, you, you can always assume there's going to be a little bit of that flavor in there. So that, that, I think the Alabama thing could be like the overarching like yeah. run game, ball control kind of offense. Like right. I don't think they're going to go up tempo. They may have some po- some moments the, where the they mentality. do tempo. They may have some moments where they do tempo, but yeah, the mentality I think is a good way to put it. Offense is the bigger mystery between the two because we just don't know a, a lot yet about how all that's going to be managed, how it's all going to be blended together, and and how it overall will look. We know it's going to be pro style ish. Mm-hmm. We we know that, but even you know even though we see them work under center a lot, I think we're still going to see a decent amount of shotgun, just like you do in any offense these days. I think there's going to be a, a sprinkling of that in there at least a third of the time or so. So that's you're fair. It may be more than that. So it's going to be an offense that tries to push the ball down the field, but obviously early downs is where you're more likely to see. And short yardage, things like that, is where you're more likely to see, you know, a fullback in there or, or some eye formation thrown in. It, it'll be an interesting blend because I think it will be kind of an offense that has a few different looks, whereas Tennessee last year so often, and I heard some fans complaining about this recently when that 2017 Florida game was replayed on ESPNU or whatever channel had it, 
that Tennessee was in 11 personnel all the time. You always saw three receivers, a tight end, and a running back in shotgun. It was almost always a similar look. This year's team, I think, will be a lot different on offense because you will see some different looks. Yeah, I think the potential, the surprise factor, or the element of surprise is one of the few things that really could be in this team's benefit going into the season. I think that's while I'm normally, as a reporter, I'm normally one of these people who says, hey, give us practice access, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think that in this one case, I understand what they're doing. I mean, if this was their second or third year and we all knew what the staff was and what the players were, there would be no reason for them to be so quiet about everything. But right now, when you inherited a roster that was 0-8 in the SEC and you're you have some things that maybe you can surprise some people with. You're not going to let anybody see any of that. So that that doesn't that doesn't bother me in, in the least. I, I think that's something that that makes sense. And you know, I I think this new scheme will be fascinating because it is a it's a combination of things. And and how how will that recipe look when it's all put together? I think we'll get to see pretty quickly uh, which guys on the staff have the most say by what's out there. By, by the by the scheme and then I think we'll also obviously get to see what the staff believes its best players are and because you're going up against West Virginia at first you're not playing a UTEP or somebody first sorry Chico you're not playing a UTEP or East Tennessee State or anybody at first you're playing West Virginia who's so, bad on defense though who is but, be pointed out. but you're also going to have to score a lot of points probably to yeah. win that game and, and that's the thing that I, I wondered too is that you have a head coach now that is a defensive head coach so Mm-hmm. If he's making some game management type decisions or putting his game management input uh, to the coaching staff during the game, he's going to err on – I don't want to say err on the side, but he's going to be thinking about his defense and that's what's going to be benef- you know, what's gonna be beneficial to him. So uh, that's why I don't think you're going to see any sort of like all the time up tempo. Now they may have some moments where they, they crank the tempo up, maybe go some no huddle. But I think overall they're probably going to – I don't want to say play ball control, but they're not going to be trying to run 100 plays a game like some of these offenses are in college football now. So that, That's a great point. And so, and so Titan Helm's going to have to call games thinking that way. And, you know, I, we'll, we'll see how that works out. He, those two guys have known each other for a while. I don't think they've ever worked together, um, but they've known each other for a while. And I think, you know, I, I think if you're Pruitt, you have to have a lot of trust in, in some of those guys on offense. I think he does. He knows he's known Will Friend for, you know, since they were playing at Alabama. He's known Helton for over a decade. So, I think he's got a lot of trust in those guys, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they manage that side of it too because uh, you've got a defensive coach who's going to be wanting to protect his defense and put his defense in the best situations possible. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because we, and we so didn't that, that, see that. You know, that's kind of going to be not only like in terms of tempo, but like if it's fourth and one at the 38. Yeah. Or if you're just on the fringe of field goal range and you've got to make a decision. Like are you going to try to punt it and pin them deep? give your defense in a good situation, or are you going to take a risk and maybe put your defense in a not-so-good situation? Well, I was just going to say, we, we don't know. Butch Jones' staff didn't do much of that. You know, we a lot of times we looked to them and said, you know, why are they trying to act like this is up-tempo or, or maintain a somewhat high-tempo when their defense is getting hung out to dry? And and there wasn't as much. And, 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 and there were times, too, last year where they totally ditched the tempo. They, that was part of the loss yep. of identity because they had. They to. did a lot of look at, look you know, Look, look at me at the sideline stuff. They get up to the line, act like they're going to snap it, and they get the call. Right. And I don't – you know, is Tennessee going is to do that now, or are they it just going to have a huddle and go tempo for it? tempo almost. Yeah, faux tempo is a good way to put it. Uh, so this – yeah, th- this offense, we don't know how that will be balanced, and that's a that's a fascinating element of this because you get, you got a first-time head coach. And I think just the staff overall, it's, it's a really interesting offensive staff because there are some unproven pieces on this staff. There are guys that with a lot of promise as coaches, but – when you look at the defensive staff, you see a lot of experience. You, you know, Kevin Chair is a first-time coordinator at this level, but you got Charles Kelly that's that's been a coordinator at, at a high level. Chris Romp, a guy who's been around a long time. Tracy, Tracy Rocker, Rock. a veteran defensive line coach. So a lot of experience over there on the offensive side. You got Tyson Helton, the guy who's never really been in a situation to be a sole play caller anywhere he's been. Although he he did call a vast majority of, of the plays at USC. Uh yeah I, yeah it sounds like that was the case at least uh you know I don't know third downs I thought was uh when he was calling the plays and T Martin called first and second downs something along those lines yeah, he's it calling was, the money plays yeah so he was calling at least a good portion of the plays there uh at Western Kentucky he wasn't the full blown offensive coordinator because he was under Jeff Brom is that right mm-hmm. so um so yeah you you've had situations where he he's been 
involved in play calling, but not the sole play caller. And then you have a first-time tight ends coach in Brian Niedermeyer. You have a former quarterback with more of a quarterback background who's now running backs coach in Chris Winkie. Obviously, Jeremy Pruitt shrugged off those concerns, but it's still a guy who has not been a running backs coach before at this level. So a lot of interesting pieces on this offensive staff and to see them meld all these ideas together and, and get their feet on the ground and see what they can make out of this team that they're inheriting. It's going to be fascinating. Now, here's what I've written down here on our, uh, on our outline, which of course we stick to because we're sticklers for these kinds of things. Uh, not really. They're talked about newcomers in position battles. And, and I think when you look at the guys that are going to be back, if you're looking at either guys that we saw some last season, you know, or guys that we saw some in the spring, there were some guys hurt, obviously, in the spring who who will be back uh, when it counts in, in preseason camp. But there will be a lot of uh, – we, we've seen a lot of the veterans on this team in one way or another. That doesn't mean that they can't be coached differently or they can't respond differently to a to a different staff. All that's very possible. But when you look at newcomers, guys that are – coming into this situation who were not there in the spring, who could shake things up quickly in their position battles, who are we looking at? I mean, the most obvious answer, and we'll have to talk about it, is the graduate transfers. <clears throat> Madre London at running back and Keller Christ at quarterback. They could have huge impacts from day one. Uh, but are, are there, in addition to them, which we will talk about them, are there other guys out there who are newcomers who you say – this guy's going to make things make things interesting right when he gets I, here. I'll go with the junior college transfer tight end Dominic Wood Anderson. Yep, uh, he's the proto- prototype for what they want at that position. Big, strong guy. Uh, he, t- he had a picture on his on his Twitter account next to Peyton Manning a couple weeks ago. He looked he was just as tall as Peyton, six five. Who, as we know, is a six five laser arm rocket rocket arm quarterback. Super rocket laser arm quarterback. <laughs> If you're uh, into that kind of thing. And so, you know, a, a guy that immediately passes the eye test and a guy that Alabama wanted that Tennessee got instead of Alabama. So uh, I think he's a guy that's going to be – if he he's going to have to show he can – you know, he's got the physicality to be a good run blocker on at the end of the line in this offense. He's going to have to learn the offense. But if he does that, I think he's going to be a, a pretty big part of this offense. Yeah, th- this offense to me is, I mean, again, new faces on the staff, but also some new faces that really could change the look of this offense. It may be an entirely different looking unit from what we saw at the end of last season. We don't know. Or even a spring game in some yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we don't know how much of a role Ty Chandler is going to play at running back. Uh, you know, there's been some talk he might not even be the starter there, which would be interesting to a lot of people if that's the case. But you got Madre London as a grad transfer. I think Jeremy Banks, as a freshman running back, has a real chance to be a major factor. Memphis. Um, yeah, Cordova High School. and then uh, Dirty and, Dova. And on the offensive line, the addition of Brandon Kennedy as a graduate transfer changes everything. And obviously, Keller Chris, another grad transfer in there at quarterback. Leave some for Grant, Ryan. So I, Ryan just, takes everybody. No, no, I'm not taking any of those guys. I'm just pointing out everybody all Everybody on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I'm just pointing out the – Here's the, the alphabetical list. The array of choices <laughs> here. Um, I, I think the guy that maybe shakes things up the most is is Brandon Kennedy just because he changes the entire outlook of the offensive line. I, th- I think just adding him in there, uh, he's potentially a day one starter at center if things go maybe according to plan. Uh, it gives them a lot more options there because, you know, even with even if Trey Smith is back, and obviously there's a lot of optimism that he will be fine. Um, we'll, we'll see at what point in camp he's, you know, fully cleared and all that. But Jeremy Pruitt certainly seems to think he's going to be back. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think all that, looks a lot different now with Brandon Kennedy because he, he allows you to maybe have the option of playing Trey Smith at tackle but if you wanted to because your interior situation looks a lot better if a guy like Brandon Kennedy can step in and, and play center or guard and most likely center. So uh, that that's one. And then on, also on the offensive line, Jerome Carvin has a real chance to start that's probably not getting talked about enough uh, as a true freshman. Hey, Ryan, where is he from? I'll give you also, a hint. It's not Nashville. Also a Memphis area guy, Cordova High School. So, yeah, it, it's it's a fascinating offense. I think Kennedy's the one that really changes things a lot because he's a likely starter, but he, he's definitely not the only one. Almost half of this offense may be different uh, when you talk about the starting lineup when, when they start the season. So now that all the good candidates have been taken off the board, right. I took right. one. Would anyone else I was like going to? the Kennedy for, route. For the record, <laughs> I only took one. I did, Thank too. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks You're for following welcome, the rules. I Thank did, too. Ryan mentioned everybody and then kind of skirted around one. Well, so d- does either one of you two have yours ready to go while the, so the other one can research or I'm, find a name? I'm going to cheat and say Juwan Jennings because Ooh, he I played like less than a half of football <laughs> last year. I'm him thinking outside the box. He was basically – he was kicked off the team or whatever Brady Hoke said, said he was 
last November and, and the, now the he's, interim principal. He's back apparently and whenever he gets back on the field and, and healthy. I mean it's easy to forget in twenty sixteen he had what, forty receptions, five hundred and eighty yards and seven touchdowns. That's a huge, huge impact at wide receiver. And throwing him back in the mix at wide receiver, I mean how badly did Tennessee need somebody at wide receiver? I mean, obviously, they didn't have a ton of help from their quarterback. Just a playmaker, somebody, just, with, a, yeah, somebody, somebody, somebody that, with a pair. Just somebody that you're looking at and can target consistently. I mean, he can he can change a lot of things on the perimeter, uh, which in turn changes things for other receivers, tight ends, running backs. I mean, it can change everything. There's a ripple effect there. What's, what's going to be interesting to me, and it's going to be the same on the defensive side of the ball, is you've got this new staff and you've got all these newcomers. There's more than two dozen of them. All right, is this new staff going to, like, trust the guys that they brought in that they chose to pursue more? Are they going to – are we going to see them, you know, give some of the, the guys they're inheriting the benefit of the doubt? Strategically, if you give – if you place trust in the guys who you inherited, it's not as much your fault in the public eye if they're not very good. It's like, well, they weren't very good last year either. Well, that's, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Buys you some time. It, but that's, it, that, that's what Butch Jones it, would do. That's, that's a that's defeatist not, approach. That no, he, that, yeah. that's, no. Every, that's what we're used to seeing Butch Jones I don't, do. I don't have any doubts that the staff's going to play the best players. I don't yeah, think they're as much caught up in the – I agree. And some of the other the stuff that the game. It's a novel yeah. concept to play the best guys that give you the best <laughs> yeah. chance to win. Crazy yeah. thought. And now, figure. and now some people would say, well, they keep talking about like they're not going to play Ty Chandler. I gotta believe it when I see it. On, they're on they're gonna channel. play him. I just think there's questions about I, what his role will be. I, I, he'll have a role. Uh, I really think the running back situation is gonna be like by committee early Completely. until they kind of figure out what's gonna what's going on there. Because I think it will be all season. I think it could be all season because there's not one guy there that you look at and say that guy can go out and give me 150 yards on 23 carries in two touchdowns. I mean that's I what Bama, that's what Bama's done a lot. That's what Florida State's done a lot. But there's nobody like, on this roster that could do that. I mean London was a complimentary guy. That's champ. what I mean. Like they you've seen these. The staff, the places that the staff has been, you've seen them have a lot of seasons where they've split the load because you need several backs. And, and, and you can't – I don't think it's fair to ask Ty Chandler to, to have 25 carries a game yeah. where you're slamming him up in there in between the tackles. I think you need to get him the ball on the perimeter. Now, he's a physical runner, but I, I think he's more physical than maybe he looks and maybe he's given credit for. But he's best when he's in the open field trying to make guys miss because he's elusive and he's quick. Mm-hmm. They've got other guys that can do the, the more bruising work. They've got London – Banks, Tim Jordan's a guy that's maybe not uh, as big as Banks or London, but he's very much a, a bowling ball of muscle, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, and is you know, John Kelly always talked about how physically ran. He, I think he's going to translate to what this offense wants to do. And Chandler can be sort of the changeup guy. Um, yeah, I think Chandler. But then lot, you look. But then you look at you know the offensive line too. They, they got a couple new guys there. Tight end. I think you know. I I think Wes's boy Eli Pope will be able to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good. No one's ever – you know, Eli Pope is a it, – it's an amalgamation of a couple players. And they just made a putt. And they're, and they're <laughs> both really good. He's putting as we speak. Yeah, Eli uh, Pope made a putt. Eli, hey. Eli Pope forgot to turn his uh, cell phone on silence. It, Rookie move. It, it really the, – the you know, with all the questions that they're on this offense, the biggest one's got to be the quarterback situation, though. What direction are they going to go there? Are they going to get it right? Because it seems to me like you've got sort of two – I don't say contrasting styles, but sort of – like I think Garantano's probably got more upside. He's also got more risk. Yep. Uh, I think Killer Chris only threw six interceptions in all the games that he started and played mm-hmm. at Stanford. So he, he's going to take care of the, the ball. Didn't throw the ball downfield a lot. Garantano, uh, well, yeah. in his defense, didn't throw many interceptions either, but he also no. was – Took a lot of sacks. Yeah, took a lot yeah. of sacks and was sort of risk-averse as a quarterback. He was afraid to throw into traffic sometimes. But that, that's the thing. I don't hold that against him. I, I'm trying not to hold anything against any of these players from last year because the offense was such a mess that yeah. – like. Okay, new fr- they, they, you know they've got a new lease on life, and that's ultimately going to be the biggest thing about this offense is how much more can this staff get out of what it already had on the roster than the previous staff did. If they can get much more out of Jarrett Garantano, out of even Ty Chandler, the offensive lineman who struggled at times last year, if all those guys improve under this staff, this may be a, a much, well, not much better, but it may be a a noticeably better looking offense. What one name? And it's such a low bar to cross. <laughs> that's the thing. You don't have to be that good. Like my like my dad. If you score twenty four points a game, that's huge. That's huge improvement. Yeah, you'll score nineteen. You'll win some kind of award. One <laughs> other point on running back, which I agree is probably an understated position battle going into camp, and it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. But they've got four guys that I think have a legitimate argument for significant carries, and Ty Chandler. Madre London, Jeremy Banks, and Tim Jordan. And I and think that, all, all of them probably have to touch the ball at some point. And that's what Pruitt said last week yeah. at Media Day. They, somebody asked him about the running back position. He said, you, you need four to six guys, and you're probably going to use four to six guys before the end of the season. And Fant could be like a short yardage guy. 
I think we've discussed big body. to this point all the main newcomers who could step in and, and make some some big plays. I think one name that we've not mentioned, if you're looking for a long shot candidate, um, that Tillman kid, Cedric Tillman, is a guy who can who can maybe make some plays. I think he's he's a big he's a big tall receiver. Now he he played at, at you know Bishop Gorman there and. In Las Vegas, which is one of the nation's better programs, certainly one of the best programs in, in the country west of the Mississippi, and it's easy to kind of get overlooked in that offense because there are so many playmakers on that team every single season. But this kid is big; uh, he can move a little bit. He's got good hands. He can jump. Uh, his, his film was kind of sneaky good, I thought, and he's a guy who could who could do some things. I think he's a name to to you know. Especially if anything happens with Juwan Jennings, which I'm not saying well, yeah. but if it does, I think look out it, for this. It kind of seems to me like at wide receiver, they've got a pretty solid first three. I was gonna say, I, I think Marquez Callaway and Brandon Johnson probably earned the. Uh, I think they were solid enough in your in starting spring. lineup isn't yeah. set, but it's probably closer to, to it than any other position. And, and those guys were, you know, had good moments last year. They they didn't, you know, they maybe weren't as consistent as they needed to be. But again, nobody else was on the offense. It's not like yeah. they they just disappeared in games. The whole offense disappeared for. 16 quarters, isn't that right, Grant? What, 16. 16 what? quarters. Uh, and so, you know, from the re- from the other group behind them, you know, you, you would think that a, one or two of those guys could emerge as reliable guys. I, I, I really like Josh Palmer. I think he had a, a decent spring. He's another big body. I, I think this I'm telling Jordan people, I'm telling people don't give up on that kid. Don't yeah. give up on that Palmer yeah, kid. He's Got talented. a lot of upside there. Jordan, just, you just, changed your tune on him from calling him. What did you call him last year? Have you not been reading the stuff I've been putting out the past few months? I said you've been reading the stuff I I've been putting out. I did call him the. Hu- that's not the question. The human incompletion. That was a harsh target. That was a harsh label I gave him last year. However, you could see the talent then. You can see it now, and he did he did do it's, some good things. That's okay. Spring. I named Kyle Alexander the the cadaver, the Canadian. Well, no, Ooh, just the cadaver, and the then cadaver. he made me eat my words. The, Something about Canadians, man. The Canuck Cadaver. Mean. Y'all should try to be more nice. <laughs> Receiver is really interesting like because I am to Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Like the, yeah. you have your top Agreed. three that are kind of established, but everybody behind there has a, has a question to answer or or something to prove. Or just was like inconsistent. Yeah, like, would so, show something and then kind of not show. Anything. So who steps forward from that group? Because you know you're going to need more than three receivers to play. I, I do think this staff also. It'll be interesting how much they rotate at receiver. We saw that more with the old staff at times. Oh, gosh, you're getting people less, going again. Less at other times. I think this staff's more likely to maybe go with the same three a lot of times, but obviously you're going to need more than that to play. And, and you know, A lot of jump balls. A lot of jump I, balls. Something, that, be, yeah. something Pruitt said last week guy. was that you, you want to have guys on the perimeter that are hard to guard, mm-hmm. that defensive coordinators can't find good matchups for. And he mentioned like two kinds of receivers. He mentioned the, the power forwards, the, the guys that can play power forward on the basketball court. Tennessee's got a lot of those guys. Yeah, a lot of Jennings. Them. You know, you'll you'll take your chances on a fifty-fifty ball with Jennings and Callaway. I think there are no fifty-fifty balls with Juwan Jennings. That's he, fair he, enough. He, he They're more like more 75, 25, he's, yeah. he's listed at what two hundred twenty pounds now. Two twenty-one. He's a tank. Big dude. Saw him walking around town uh, a couple weeks ago. Big throw dude. him ninety-nine one balls. <laughs> yeah, big dude. Big dude. Palmer's another guy that's you know looks the part. Tillman's a big guy at six three two uh, two fifteen. I think around that listed area. two twelve. I think he's heavier. But than then that, the other half of, of the sort of you know what what Pruitt was talking about were, were guys that can take the tops off the defense. Those, those burner guys. So he said, I don't think they have any burner guys. I think Williams has burner speed. I don't know. Yeah, Latrell played Williams one maybe. game in two years. But I got to see it to believe. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Jacquez Jones, we didn't see last year. You know, can he emerge? You know, he's quick. I saw, yeah. saw him in the uh, spring. He's quick. You, you, Wes, a lot of guys there that are interesting. You, you, Wes, you made a good point when I texted y'all about this when I was writing a preview. They got more receivers that are quick than fast. Yeah. So my question is, how many of these guys can take a five-yard route and turn it into a 50-yard touchdown? I see. I some, don't know that there's that many. I no. see some guys who can take a five-yard catch and turn it into 20, 30 yards. I think that's, that's where quickness helps okay, you. Okay, yeah, that's that's probably fair. But I I think if they're going to generate their big plays, their best bet's going to be throwing it, getting one-on-one on one coverage and chucking it up yep. and go make a play. Put put Jawan Jennings on one end of the field. Put Callaway on the other end of the field. You're probably not going to be able to double both of them. Figure out who's got one guy on him and throw a jump ball. I mean, football when you break it down, it can really be that simple if and, you want it to be. And can can Dominic Wood Anderson? It's like or, Chris Jones said. It's about winning your one-on-one matchups. Yeah. And can, Are you a fountain <laughs> or a drain? And Jawan Jennings is a fountain. And can Dominic Wood Anderson or even even Eli Wolf or Austin Pope or Eli Pope? Um, can any of those guys <laughs> be playmakers in the passing game to help out with those guys too? Uh, that, that's being having threats across the board obviously is a big deal. Wood Anderson is a guy that people are going to look to to be a star right away. I don't know if that's realistic, 
But if he can be that type of player, that's a big deal I, for this I th- offense. I think another name maybe to keep in mind about that sort of that tight end fullback position is Jay Blakely. Mm-hmm. Somebody pointed out to me that he might have a, honestly, significant role, but he might have a bigger role in this offense than some people yeah. expect. And there were only two players on the, on the updated roster that were listed as dual positions. One was Alante Taylor, who's still listed cornerback and wide receiver. I, don't, I think he's pretty much cornerback all the way. But uh, Blakely was listed as a tight end and a running back. So he might be that fullback guy mm-hmm. that Wes will and, or, and, that would and, be and, new, and, Wes's new favorite player. I, I wonder, and Wes will I wonder, call him Jay Bumpus. Is he available in the spring game when Pope got all that? Uh, you know, I don't time? know. He he was in a boot that week. Yeah, yeah. he was, he so was banged up. So I'm thinking Pope might have gotten that time because yeah. Blakely wasn't available. Well, I'd heard Blakely at the start of spring <laughs> thrown out. Well, at the start of spring, Blakely was the guy I'd heard thrown out there as a possible fullback, I, but we never he, saw him. He's much listed of it. at 6'2", 260. And that, yeah. that, if you're building a fullback, Wes, that, that'd probably be your dimensions, right? He's 6'2", 260, and he's from uh, <laughs> South Georgia where you can put your hand in the ground and hit somebody. So I think that is fair to say that he's got North a North Georgia, not as much, though. Those yeah. guys. <laughs> soft. Yeah. North Georgia's soft. <laughs> South Georgia, I got family in South Georgia. They're going to win that battle. I'm telling you, t- country tough. Anywhere Wes has family is the toughest place in the country. Exactly. Good kid, good family. Exactly. Good kid, good family. I, I don't know his kinfolk, though. I'll just be honest. I don't. But I might know somebody who does, so we'll see about that. Uh, really, really quickly, guys. everybody knew everybody in South Georgia. Basically, yeah. It's like, hey, there's that guy. Hey, there's that guy again. Uh, we've mentioned this a lot, so we don't need to go over this in much detail. Uh, the Trey Smith situation, it is one of the most important storylines for Tennessee. However, it is a storyline that we have discussed ad nauseum for a long period of time now. Really quickly, what has anyone heard anything new about his situation, and what does it change if he can or can't go? We know it makes offensive line in the whole team not as good if he struggles or can't play early on or can't play the season, whatever, worst-case scenario. But what does it change for them if he can or can't go in terms of what they're throwing out there. Yeah, he, he's their best player. Let's face it. He was the one guy that was voted All-SEC, uh, first team preseason All-SEC by the media. I think Juwan SEC has media. an argument there, but still. And interestingly, wasn't on the ballot, but uh, I guess that's fair considering he wasn't around last year. Neither was Nigel Warrior. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think Trey Smith obviously <laughs> changes everything for their offensive line if he's back. I know everyone kind of – we talked a little bit about this coming out of SEC media days. Everyone took what Jeremy Pruitt said as kind of – a final verdict on Trey Smith's availability and, and even J.J. Yeah. Peterson getting on campus. I don't think it's quite a done deal that he, Trey Smith's going to be out there. Pruitt left the door open because uh, I think it was – was it Jimmy? Yeah. Asked a follow-up question. Jimmy Himes mm-hmm. uh, has asked if, if Trey's been cleared for contact, which it's a natural question because Trey's been doing workouts all offseason. Mm-hmm. So it's not a situation where he can't yeah, do whether anything. Whether he can be out there is irrelevant. We know he can stand out there. Yeah, we yeah. know he can stand out there in a helmet and shorts. Can he hit somebody? And that's not something we're going to find out till what is it, the day fourth three. day, third or fourth day at camp when they yeah. put on shells. The third day when, the, when it's open to the, pract- uh, to the public for practice, that's when they'll put on shoulder pads for the first so, time. So, yeah, that's, that's when we're going to get, like, the 100% final verdict. And it seems to me like that door is still kind of cracked that eh, there might be a scenario where he doesn't play this year. So we'll just have to see. Or, but, or but just again, maybe is held out at the beginning. You know, we don't know what the situation might be. Yeah. I mean, Bruce but, said he'll be back this fall. Yeah. What, what does back mean and at what point this fall? Yeah, I mean that's the question. If you say something vague enough, you can talk your way around yeah. it. Like there's no there's no problem. I just wonder if he's out there. I think we would all agree that his best position is probably at guard, but he might be better at tackle than there are other options at tackle. Yeah. So that might be the question there. Although Ryan mentioned this earlier, so I won't I won't duplicate it. That that Kennedy getting him was huge because that frees you up the opportunity. To, to maybe get a shot to, to give Trey Smith a chance out there because you, you've given yourself another good option at the interior spots. Yeah, if you think Ryan Johnson and Jerome Carvin are solid guards, that gives you the luxury. And I of, think of they maybe, do. Yeah, and that gives you the luxury of maybe playing Smith at tackle. And then the question becomes, if you do try him there, does he play left or right tackle? I've, I've heard at least some thought to the Tennessee maybe flipping Drew Richmond over to right tackle, which is actually the position he played when he first got to Tennessee – the position he played in high school. Uh, he eventually moved to left tackle that first year. I and, think he projects better as a right tackle. Yeah, and red-shirted. Now, that's a position where you typically want a stronger guy in the run game, so that's that's the interesting thing about him. Drew Richmond isn't typically a guy to push people around, but you also might just want your best pass protector at left tackle, and you could certainly argue Trey Smith is more reliable in that regard than Drew Richmond. I will so say – Interesting I'll, choice if that's what it ends up being. I will say really quickly, I think that we're, none of us are mentioning Riley Locklear's name quite yeah. enough. I think he is – He'll play. A guy who was 
graded out higher than anybody except Trey Smith last season. He, he that, that's the numbers. That's what they say. I, I think if I was putting, and I think Ryan, you and I responded the same in a thread this week. I have not yet. Are you trying to call me out? Uh, no, I'm saying that uh, if you're looking at maybe what you know, we get last thought. What's what's your projection or prediction for starting five? I think it'll be Smith and Richmond at one of the tackle spots. Yeah. I think they're probably interchangeable. Uh, probably Ryan Johnson left guard, Carvin at right guard, and Kennedy at center. And I think Lockley will probably be the first guy off the bench on the inside, again, because mm-hmm. these days you don't bring in your number two left guard. You bring in your sixth best lineman yep. uh, and maybe move some guys around. And they've cross-trained guys this summer, but uh, I think maybe Marcus Tatum might be their next tackle off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, if something and happens if to Trey a guard. They Smith, can, maybe if Trey Smith isn't able to go, then Tatum starts probably. Probably. And, maybe. You know, uh, Carvin could play your Carvin, tackle, that's too. That's what I was about to say. Carvin's an See, option. I, I, right think, I think Carvin Locklear – it comes down. I think that's the biggest battle of camp between which one of them is the fifth best offensive well, that, that's lineman the thing. right now. You, you got to yeah. find out one through five before you start finding out right. six through all that. Because if if Marcus Tatum is your sixth best lineman and you lose a guard, you're probably going to slide Carvin or Smith down to guard I, and, and go Tatum. I'll say this: it's a big camp for Marcus Tatum. I think this is a big year for him because you've still got has some talent. Still, still has, has the frame. Still has the frame and all that, but this is this, it's a different staff with a different mentality. I think a little bit when it comes to the offensive line. This is a staff that's going to want stronger guys that can push people around the run game. The last staff was all about athleticism. A lot of times they they obviously wanted to push people around the run game, but you wanted athletic linemen and Tatum fit that mold. This staff you want everybody wants athletic tackles, but if he can't push people around that much in the run game and struggles and to hold up in that regard that's he's maybe not their ideal type of guy in some ways but more importantly you've got you got help on the way Wanye Moores if you hold on to him is a guy that's going to come in and challenge for early playing time you've got Jameer Johnson a Juco tackle that even if he's not a starter this year probably is ready by next year they might even land someone else at tackle like a Darnell Wright so let's let's see what that depth chart looks like in a year but Marcus Tatum he needs to make his mark this year to have a good chance of, of holding on to a job next year. Before we start to get out of here, guys, we, we've this is the topic that we have discussed probably more than anything other than Pruitt uh, during the offseason, and, and for good reason. We've already discussed a little bit of it here. Uh, I just did a video earlier this week with the guys at 24-7 talking about this very Shameless position. Shameless plug. No, I'm just saying it's on the site. You can go watch it if you want to. Cool. I'm going to go watch it. You should too, if you're listening. I don't watch it, but someone else out there might want to go watch it. I, I would I would recommend uh, turning the monitor on your computer down as far as it'll go on the visual and just listen to the words. I'm not I'm not what I would call pleasant to look at. But here is the deal. Quarterback, who's it gonna be to start the season and who's gonna get more snaps during the season? I'll go with Garantano. I think he starts I think both of them play, though. Probably both of them start games, if I had to guess, because whether it's injuries, whether it's this team struggling and just wanting to change things up at some point, or whether it's the starter getting his head knocked in from the offensive line not protecting him well enough, something will lead to Tennessee probably giving the other guy a chance to start at some point. So I think they both play, but Garantano gets the starting nod to open the season. And I don't know when it will be named. It could be – we might not know until warm-ups or, or the first snap on, on the day of the season opener, or we may know two weeks before the end of camp. Nothing would surprise me on this. I'm going to go – when y'all want to go ahead? I was going to say Grant could go. I want to go last. Chris, just to oppose Ryan. <laughs> maybe, I like maybe it. He's, it's always uh, a logical Maybe point. he's got a little bit more experience, even though he doesn't have the experience in this offense. Uh, maybe he fits their profile a little bit more of a ball control kind of traditional offense and just because Ryan picked Jared Grantano uh, I'm naturally going to go the other way Keller Chris an underrated athlete too he's 235 pounds he's a large dude yeah he's a tank but he can move pretty well for a guy that big I'm going to go with uh, of course I've already mentioned this I'm going to go with Garantano uh, but I'm going to throw two caveats in here I think both are going to start at least one game this season and I think Tennessee will have at least three guys throw a touchdown pass this season uh, I'm going to go with Garantano, Christ, and Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings. Yep. <laughs> oh, I think okay. I think Juwan Jennings is going to throw one or two touchdown passes I, this season. I thought you were going to try to throw in a shout out to Will the Thrill. Hey, I hey I, that that dude is a gamer. Will Trout. <laughs> JT McBride. He, you, you, you watch him. That's a good point. You watch him run around there. He's got some of those Jeff Garcia kind of qualities. I think he's a guy who could. Maybe it won't be at Tennessee, but I think he's a guy who could be a good college quarterback. 
Wes went the Ryan route and just picked everybody. <laughs> no, I didn't mention Mc. I didn't. Maybe I, a UTEP. I didn't mention McBride until he was thrown out by one of you Yahoo's over here. Wes I, thinks it'll be either Keller, Chris, Jared Grantana, Will McBride, uh, Zach Jancic. This is uh, you're you're, you're, you're AJ Suggs. This is a false equivalence to the way Ryan. You're, you're trying you're you're trying to compare the way Rick I throw Lawson. names out there to the way he does, and Jim that's Bob. that's just not fair. That's not fair. I was trying fair. to cover all the newcomers because we didn't set it up very uh, thoroughly. I was not. Wow, he just said, West, you did a bad job. I was not trying to, to take all of them, but you guys have continued to refer to it, so that was the deal. I wanted to West give everyone... Schaefer I, might get some snaps. <laughs> Maybe this Ainge kid. I wanted to give everyone a cover of the whole all the newcomers. Patrick, I, what's your choice? I, I, I've said um, in the past uh, that I thought Garantano would win it, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, uh, I think they might, just, they might just go with Chris because I think he um, maybe has a higher floor... You just know what you're gonna get with Chris. I think you're not well, gonna get somebody. Split, I like it. You're not gonna get somebody that's spectacular. I think Garantano has much more upside, and some. You know, I think some of the flack he's gotten from fans has been kind of ridiculous. To be, yeah. to be frank, that Georgia just, Tech game left an imprint on a lot of people's. I minds. just I like what I've heard from from the staff and people on the program about Garantano yes. this summer. I've heard good things this summer. Yes, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against him, but I just think I've heard good things on both of them for that matter. Again, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to get out there and show that against the defense he can get the job done. That he can be confident and quick in his decision making. He's not gonna hold on the ball. Uh, that he isn't gonna, you know, look at his first or two options and be like, okay, I need to tuck it and run it. Um, he, he's gonna need to make some real significant strides. And I think there's some credence to uh, the notion that he's learned more maybe this offseason than he did in his first two years. Yep. Shout out to the old coaching staff. Um, but I, I just – I think there's – when it gets down to it, they're going to want somebody there that's going to not lose games. And I think Chris is maybe more that guy, even though Garantano is more likely the guy that's a little bit like Josh Dobbs and that he can go out and win you a game. And, and Whereas Chris is more of a guy that, based on what he showed at Stanford, can go out there and not lose you a game. And, again, it's going to be tough to – predict this because we there's no playbook to go by if jeremy pruitt you know tyson helton all these guys have been at different places where quarterback battles have been handled differently if you're going by the alabama playbook though it's worth noting they've gone into past seasons recently with quarterback battles still kind of open and they start one guy in the opener play both at some point and then they end up settling on one a couple games into the year yeah and remember that you know the alabama didn't start Jalen hurts when he yeah you know, that first game and and they didn't even play two until they had to so mm-hmm uh, that was a good choice. So how do and do like do they if they go into the West Virginia game and fall down twenty one nothing early? Do they have a quick trigger and go to the other guy? I mean, all that how it's handled is going to be fascinating. That's naturally when you go to McBride because you need a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we don't know how they're going to handle this. And Jeremy Pruitt, you know, even if he wants to s- decide on a guy and stick with him, you know, he's going to be tested on that call early on, no matter how it goes. Last thing we're, before we get out of here for this one, guys. Last season, Tennessee, there are one hundred and thirty teams. 130, 130 teams in NCAA Division One FBS, the artist formerly known as uh, one single A football. There are 130 teams. Last season, Tennessee was 118th nationally in points per game. Is that bad? That's bad. That's bad. UTEP was worse though. Uh, ten, UTEP was dead last. They averaged what, like good luck, Chico? Or Eighteen or twenty points a game. Nineteen point eight yeah. points per game. So last season, Tennessee scored nineteen point eight points per game. Will that improve this season, and how much will it improve? Has uh, to, right? Yeah, I'll go 24. Yeah. I I think they'll be better, but I don't think they will be, like – Yeah, 24, 24 points a game is going to put you right around 100. They're still going to play some really good defenses when you look at Alabama, Georgia. Yep. Auburn's got an NFL defensive line. Yep. They also play some really bad non-conference teams. It's true. It's a good point. We, like the pride of Johnson City We UTEP. Well, if you score 48 on, on the Bucks, but you score three on Auburn, that averages out to – I'm not – 25, so there you we, go. Hashtag we, dis- math. Hashtag <laughs> we discussed this recently on a show that I, that I was on where the they were breaking down. Where are you going to talk about his shameless self-promotion over here? I was you about just jump to. jump on me for it. I didn't even shameless mention the plug. show. If you guys hey, guys, I'm to, Ryan. I'm on the radio. Hey, guys, I'm on. You can but find me on every medium. about TV right here. I, I am. Grant watched, obviously. <laughs> Local <laughs> television. <laughs> but the um, – must have come on after Jeopardy. We were kind of breaking down how, what – a 500 SEC team in the SEC East in recent years has looked like statistically. And for an SEC East team to be 500-ish in SEC play, you've averaged about 30 points a game on offense. And that's that Tennessee history long, mystery. Yeah, so Tennessee's a long way from that, obviously. I don't think they quite get to that point. I, I think what Patrick said, probably in the ballpark, I'd, I'd say 25 or 26 points is a reasonable goal for this team. But if they can get get that average up even that much, it'll be a much better offense to watch, a much more successful offense. 
like Patrick said earlier, too, good point. Red zone offense is going to be the key for this team. You're not going to get a ton of opportunities, probably. Got to take advantage of a decent percentage of the ones you get. Juwan, Juwan come back to 15. Juwan back will help, will help a lot. I think so, too. And Gr- the, Grant, oh, go ahead. Big key is how the run game goes, though. I mean, if they can control the line of scrimmage a little bit better, if the offensive line can avoid a rash of injuries like they had last year, and, and they're better in the run game, that's that's where it all starts. If they can't do that, it's going to be a long year for this team. But they need to have an identity. That's the biggest yeah. thing they need to do because they, they didn't have one last year. They need to figure out what they are, and they need to figure out what they are quick. Got to be opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Want to run the ball, though. We know that. They need a CEO quarterback. To play a global global position. <laughs> it's like a global position. It's a global position. <laughs> they're in they're in Pakistan today, breaking down the quarterback battle. It's a glo- global positioning quarterback system. So that's what you think. That's basically that. That's, that's pretty a, good insight. Global, I think that's fair. Worldwide. I think that's fair. Here's what's crazy. Prestige to, uh, worldwide. Here's what's crazy to think about, guys, is that it, you said 30 points a game. If Tennessee scored exactly from from last season, if Tennessee had scored 30.0 points per game, Tennessee would have been. 52nd National League. Shout out to the Big 12. And scoring offense. That's what I'm saying. That's middle of the road that these days. That is insane. That's middle of the road these days, and look how far Tennessee was from that a year ago. That's staggering. Well, they I, went from If they went from scoring, what, like 36 in 2016 to 19, they can, go, they can get to 30. I think somewhere between 23 and 25 points a game is where Tennessee will be this they season. Don't, they don't get any further than 23 and maybe a you long know, I'm year. changing my – I'm going to go 28 now. You guys are Debbie <laughs> Downers over here. Heed the words of Larry Fedora, the millennials are killing football. They don't want to play defense. <laughs> if I set the bar low enough, then Tennessee could have a good season. You just need to be realistic. It's not about being a downer, Patrick. It's about saying, telling people, listen, this is this is what could happen. That's the West Rucker story. If the bar is set low enough, I'm going to cross it. <laughs> right over it. We got a lot of bosses at 24-7 Sports who are probably going, well, that's exactly what he is. That's unfortunate. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with a quick recap of the defense. Won't be quite as long because... Uh, We know a little bit more about what we're going to see on that side of the ball. There are more questions on the offense. We'll be back then, and we will discuss it. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope.